This is the Kingdom Minds Podcast, reaching you through conversation. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you're listening. Welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Minds Podcast. Today is July the 12th and we're having a conversation on mental health in the church. I hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Minds podcast. So for today the topic is mental health in the church and today we have Jamal Simons, we have Lavina Simons, Kayla Manas, myself Sakara, and then we have two guests with us today. The first guest is Sarita Abin and our um, second guest is Dr. Zena Warich who is the coordinator for the National Counseling Ministry, New Testament Church of God, Bermuda. Prior to this conversation, I did some research and on the World Health Organization website. Um, So the website says that close to 1 billion people are living with a mental disorder and and 3 million people die every year from the harmful use of alcohol and one person dies every 40 seconds by suicide. So... Mental health is clearly an issue that is worldwide, not just in Bermuda, but all over the world. And mental health has become a topic of discussion here recently. Um, And I believe that out of those 1 billion people who are affected by mental health illnesses, some of us Christians fall into that 1 billion. So we take up that percentage so I just wanted to address the whole mental health illnesses and mental health disorders in the church so my first question um, to Dr. Warridge or anyone else who can answer is um, what is mental health and mental illness? Uh, Good evening I'll start Um, mental health is general mental well-being mental and emotional well-being and um, I was thinking earlier with respect to this podcast tonight. And a lot of times we focus on mental health, mental illness, when really what we call mental illness is a psychological and emotional manifestation of a physiological imbalance or physiological impact um, illness. And so it's really no different from the chronic diseases we may have in our bodies, such as diabetes, cancer, um, kidney failure, things like that. We, but we place it in a separate category, sometimes because the, the symptoms may be a little overwhelming or scary. But if we look at it in terms of it's an imbalance, usually a chemical imbalance, um, somewhere in our bodies, not necessarily in our brains, but in our bodies, chemical imbalance or hormonal imbalance, those things um, manifest in different ways. And so if we can look at it from that perspective, it helps to normalize the illnesses a bit more and not normalize in the sense of accepting it as um, a done deal. And, uh, you know, but normalizing it in a sense of not ostracizing people and removing the stigma. That kind of goes into my second question. Um, The second question is, is there a stigma in the church relation in relation to mental health? Because I believe that is a stigma in the black community. Mm-hmm. I um, believe that if I 
believe that with our community, we were raised to be strong. Black people are raised to be strong, are raised to handle things on their own and just have it together all the time. And even when it comes to certain, like specific Black families raising their children, um, they told the children that, you know, don't cry to suppress and hide those feelings. And I feel like a lot of people in the Black community are scared to ask for help or reach out for help or go to therapy or get some type of help when it comes to mental illnesses because of that whole stigma that surrounds it. And I was just wondering if there was a stigma in the church, considering the fact that we already have a stigma in the Black community. Is there one in the church as well? Do we think it's one in the church? So the church is a microcosm of the community. Um, and if it exists in the community, it exists in the church because the same people that are in the community are in the church. So yes, I believe that there is. And you're right, there is a difference between the black community and the white community, generally speaking. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned, you know, um, we're trained to be, quote unquote, be strong, because that is such a lie. You know, take everything, close your mouth, you don't need to cry. That we cripple ourselves emotionally and psychologically by these false beliefs. You know, if, I, if I'm taking the weight of the world on my shoulders and I don't cry even though I want to, that's actually very unhealthy. But we've trained ourselves to think that it's strong and it's something to be admired. No, it's not. You have a stroke or um, a heart attack just waiting to happen if you don't let those emotions up. So remember I said that mental health is a, is a, a physical illness at its root. And so if we don't express our feelings and our emotions in healthy ways, they're going to come out in unhealthy ways, either through what we would have called back in the day a nervous breakdown. There's no such thing as a nervous breakdown clinically, but generally speaking, that's what we used to refer to in, um, in com commonly how we used to refer to it. Either that or some type of physical illness, or you have people abusing substances, abusing their family members, abusing themselves, you know, um, cutting and things like that because they're not processing that emotional pain or their, their psychological challenges in a healthy manner. So th this whole myth about being strong, please, anybody who's listened to this podcast, eliminate that from your vocabulary. Eliminate that from your vocabulary. Everybody needs somebody. Jesus even had a circle around him. So if Jesus had a circle, what makes us think we can walk through life on our own? Exactly. Um, can we just rerun just back a little bit? Can we? Can you give me a list of specific mental disorders and mental illnesses? There's a there's a wide um, range of mental disorders and mental illnesses, and and some things. Okay, so we have depression, what we would call the major mental illnesses: schizophrenia, um, depression, anxiety. Um, persons with personality disorders. There are a wide range of mental illnesses, but even within each mental illness, there's, there's a clinical diagnosis as well as uh, there's a range. So you can be clinically depressed or you can have the blues. Some people have seasonal depression. Um, there's bipolar disorder where people, I'm sorry, it's not called bipolar disorder anymore. I'm trying to remember the new name for it, sorry. Um, where people have, um, depression on one end of their moods their their mood swings from clinical depression to mania so they go from very 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 high where they think they literally can do anything they put their mind to um to very 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 low where they don't want to do anything the simplest of things like getting up and getting a shower are extremely difficult and so um and but even within those diagnoses there are um there are ranges where there can be um, 
uh, on the lesser end where there are certain things that you could do um, counseling and and wellness and things like that. And you do, you do what you would necessarily be involved in all of those things, even if you have a clinical diagnosis, but with the clinical diagnosis, there's also usually medication involved, medication management. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaylin just put a question in the chat and it says, um, is the stigma that exists in the church based on the same ideals of being strong, like in the black community, or is it a different reason for the stigma in the church? I don't want to speak for the church as a whole. Okay, well. <laughs> but I can what I can say from my observations, there there's it's it could be twofold. One, and from the sense of in the black community, we do have that stigma of you need to be strong. We don't talk about what goes on in our houses. Um, suck it up and grin and bury it. You know, when your parents give you licks, don't cry. You know, we were we were taught from young to suppress our emotions. Big boys don't cry. All those types of crazy things that we that we train our children to believe that aren't true. And then also on top of that, um, there can be the issue of the whole spiritualization of it. So what I find is that sometimes in church, we don't really deal with things very well. We try to shout over it, we try to pray over it. We think if we do three backflips down the aisle, we're gonna be free. We run, jump, shout, dance, run Ronnie parking lot eight times. And, you know, we'll, we'll just be fine after that. And then everybody's happy because we ran around the church eight times, but, and they go home and they're fine. And we go home and we're still depressed, you know? And so we, we over-spiritualize things and we tend not to deal with some of the real issues. So there's a two-fold um, predicated. Okay. Um, um, can I piggyback on that in that um, I, I know from personal experience when I, I approached the pastor very early in my Christian walk mm-hmm. about something that I was dealing with I kind of had a feeling that I should seek counseling. And I said that I was like, I think maybe I should see a counselor. And they were like, no, no, no. I think you should just, you need to pray about it. You really need to seek God about it. I honestly was like, oh my God, I'm not seeking God enough. And I thought I hadn't reached this level of Christianity or something that it would make it go away. So I, I totally agree with you that it, it is a different aspect in Christianity versus the black culture and things like that because I felt like in that moment I felt like as a Christian I should not be fighting or I should not be dealing with mental illness because I am a Christian like Christians don't do this like and this was this was gosh this was like 10 15 years ago but I still had that seed planted in my head that you know what Lavina as a Christian this is not something that you should be dealing with because you have God on your side you have Christ like you if you can pray about it, you can, this, this is not something that you need to deal with. So for a few years, I know me, I was like, okay, you need to pray more. Okay. You need to fast more. Okay. No, you're not doing enough spiritually. Like this, this is, you're doing this wrong. This is, this is not right. You're doing this wrong. So I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying right there. And that adds to the complication. So let me ask you this. Was Jeremiah saved? Was he, did Elijah have God on his hands? Did David on his side? Did David have God on his side? Because they all went through bouts of depression. Mm-hmm. They all went through bouts. They all de- battled with depression at various points in their ministries. And, and so it has nothing to do with whether God's on our side, whether God loves us, whether we're praying enough, fast enough, read the Bible enough. In fact, sometimes we can work ourselves into such a frenzy that we actually beat, um, wear down whatever resolve we may have within us to, to offset some of those symptoms and mm-hmm. slide into going from um, some of the lower range and, and become more more ill where we're moving into the clinical range because we're now got all these other thoughts running around inside of our head 
you know, hearing our pastor, hearing these, these preachers and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not bashing pastors, please. Okay? Mm-hmm. No, but agree. People speak on with what they know. And so it's important when, um, the same way your pastor wouldn't diagnose yeah. you if you thought you had cancer. He wouldn't mm-hmm. tell you, to come and pray, he or she wouldn't tell you to go home and pray about it. If mm-hmm. you had symptoms, you know, you if you had symptoms of, um, you went to your doctor, your pastor and said, you know, I, I haven't had a bowel movement in three weeks. They wouldn't tell you to go home and pray about it. <laughs> go to your doctor. Why are you talking to me? Why are you having this conversation? Go to your doctor. It's the same thing with a mental illness. I love that analogy. Thank you. Um, may I jump in on that? Because that is a total analogy that was used with me a couple of years ago. Um, and my then therapist said, Sarita, if you had a broken arm, would you not go to the emergency room to get it set? And would you not take the necessary medication to alleviate the pain? And, and, and she said, that is the same thing. Your brain is injured. Right now, your brain is injured and it needs attention and it needs to be reset. And so why wouldn't you get your brain the same attention that you would get your arm had you broken it? And that was like, well, okay then. All right. The brain after that, right? <laughs> right? It was like, well, I don't really have an argument against that. <laughs> so yeah, 100% agree with you. And you know, I was... Um... I was thinking about a conference I had attended many years ago now, probably about 15 years ago, so possibly even more. And a lady was speaking and she didn't have a mental illness, she actually had a physical illness. And so to go back to the issue of praying, sometimes when we pray, God answers our prayers in ways that we didn't expect. You know, when we pray, we always want God to do this. And sometimes we may not, may not do that. We may go through a process. And so this particular lady, she had cancer. And I'll never forget, I don't remember what her topic was, but I remember that part of her conversation, she said that, she was so grateful that God trusted her with cancer. And I was like, what? Because she was diagnosed and she said her first response was, okay, God, what are we doing with this? What's your purpose for this? And God spoke to her and she said, there are people that she ministered to while she was going for her appointments and her treatments that had she remained healthy, she never would have encountered them. She never would have encountered so doctors, nurses, um, the receptionists, other patients, family members, she was praying for people while they were all getting their chemotherapy together um, at the same time. You know, she was able to pray and encourage people. People were getting saved. That never would have happened had she not been ill herself. She wouldn't have had that level of exposure. She wouldn't have had that level of understanding. I'm not saying that everybody who experiences mental illness has that, but sometimes we have to wonder. It's God's will because it's happening in a person's life. It doesn't mean that anybody's done anything wrong. You know, it's the same thing in the Bible where, where the young boy was blind and, and the disciples asked, well, who's seeing him or his, his um, parents? And Jesus said, nobody. It's for God's glory. Everything that we go through is for God's glory. And mental, mental illness is no different. Okay. You guys said a lot. <laughs> um, one important thing that I was thinking about the fact that if we're sick, but anything like that in our physical bodies, like if we got cancer, we go to an oncologist. If we, like Sarita said, you break your arm, you go to a, um, why is this slipping my my mind right now? And I feel like I should know this since I'm going into medicine. Yeah, yes, Sarita, don't look doctor, at Let's go. Don't, don't look at me like doctor. Like what's happening? Oh, orthopedic surgeon. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. see? For... <laughs> And if you're having troubles with your heart, you'll go to a cardiologist. So the whole thing in the nutshell for me is that 
your mental is also a part of your physical as well so if I am suffering mentally I feel like going to a psychiatrist that is something that I feel like it's a stigma on it like it's so we're so comfortable oh we got cancer we're going to the oncologist and it's like yeah but then when it's like oh yeah I have a mental disorder I'm going to a psychiatrist and people's like psychiatrist like it's all it's all the same thing like it's I'm going to a doctor that specializes in mental health just like you're going to the doctor that specializes in cancer or a doctor that specializes in um the heart it's all the same thing and I feel like that is one of the reasons why a lot of people are afraid of getting help is because it's like you're going to a psychiatrist you take medication you need a weighted blanket like yes I need a weighted blanket my anxiety it gets crazy um so I feel like that was an important thing that you guys touched on and I feel like that is something that we need to talk about more openly like it's okay to go be going to a psychiatrist like I have somebody that I have to sit down and talk to every now and then to get my mind right because and a one thing that I hope from is that the mind is the battlefield. I believe that the mind is the battlefield. And the first place that the enemy likes to attack is in our minds. So my next question to everyone is... Wait, wait, wait. Before you get there. Okay. Real quick. Jump in. Jump in. On, on, on that point that you said about um, your people not treating you the same when you're dealing with a mental um, issue than when you're dealing with a physical one. A physical one they can see the effects of right mm-hmm. there are outward symbols and signs and and it's a common thing that's talked about and that goes back to the stigma that we were talking about right people have dealt with mental illness since the beginning of time dr zena just listed off people in the bible who had bouts of depression but when have you ever heard a pastor stand up and say david had depression depression jeremiah had i'm old enough and i have never heard that from a pulpit Right. It's not something that's talked about. But how many times have we heard about the woman with the issue of blood or, um, you know, Bartimaeus or name anybody else you can think of who was healed of a physical illness? Right. Mm-hmm. Because, and so we put so much on a physical illness because it's something that we can see with our own eyes, even if we're not experiencing ourselves. Whereas for a mental illness, the majority of it, especially in the beginning stages before things kind of progress, you don't see external uh, symptoms of it mm-hmm. right and so it goes back to that oh well you know you should man up you should control your feelings you and that's a big thing especially in the black community is that you know we should be able to we're supposed to be strong we're supposed to you know not cry in public what happens in this house stays in this house the list of things that people say that make you internalize things goes on and on and on right and so when you say oh I'm struggling with my mental health like somebody's looking at you like what you mean like, just get up and do whatever it is you need to do. And, and that's like a thing is that when people can't see the evidence of your illness, the, the empathy factor tends to go away when they don't understand it. Sometimes they see it, but like you said, they don't understand it. So you can't get, you struggle to get a bit. You struggle to do the things that, you, that normally used to be a part of your routine. It's like, what's wrong with you? Get it together. Stop this nonsense. You know? and, and that's really the response that you get. And Cara, I was glad when you said, um, talked about the doctors, because a lot of times people would feel intimidated, you know, to call, to call um, MWI for an appointment. So if you feel intimidated to reach out to a mental health professional, call your GP. Because before you go to the orthopedic surgeon, before you go to the oncologist, before you go to the cardiologist, you go to your GP. Your GP, GP. Yep. So go have that conversation with your GP. They're trained to do the, um, the triage. 
with respect to that and to send you to someone who, who can assist you, whether it's a specialist. Um, some people prefer a natural. There are natural, there are, um, naturopathic doctors in Bermuda who will work alongside your GP. Whatever it is that works for you, go have that conversation with your GP if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to mental health specialists in the first instance. You know what's really the kicker for me? When people, you know how the Bible, this it says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And that's something that I feel close to my heart too. So I, I'm very careful on what I say. The kicker for me is when Christians say to me, oh, don't claim that. Don't claim that depression. Don't claim that anxiety. That annoys me so much because it's not that I'm claiming something it's the fact that I'm coming to acknowledgement that this is something that I struggle with and I need help it's always oh don't claim that why are you going to a psychiatrist why are you claiming that over your life no I have anxiety it's it, it's it's her it's real I have anxiety and although you may not be able to like Sarita said see these symptoms of my anxiety it it it's definitely I de- definitely have symptoms and I definitely suffer from it can I jump in there I think um, the more we do things like this, like have conversations about it, like Dr. Zeno was saying, and normalize it, the more it will help the generations that are coming behind us. Because I tend to throw it into normal conversation with people. Oh, yeah, I'm going to my therapist. Or, yeah, I said to my therapist the other day, and I make it normal for my conversation. So even if the other person reacts, I don't react to the reaction. I'm just like, yes, I see a therapist. That's what I said. I said that to my therapist last week. And then if they ask a question about it, I'll answer them or whatever. But then I, I've made it a normal part of my conversation in that, yeah, I see a therapist. Yeah, I take pills sometimes. Yeah, this is, this is my life and this is my reality. Deal with it. It's normal. And then it kind of opens up for people to feel more comfortable if they may be dealing with something like that like for example Sakara I was very honest with her and I was like yeah I'm gonna do all sorts of madness and she was like hey wait a minute you are basically what I was saying is that um mine is a battlefield the enemy likes to attack our minds first um and once he gets a hold of our minds he basically has a hold of us so my question is do you guys think that mental illness is an attack of the enemy it can be but not necessarily there's a spiritual basis for every disorder whether it's physical mental because of the fact that we live in a, in a fallen world but it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that if you have an illness that there's a demon attached to you mm-hmm. and so it could be in some instances so there are some there are some uh, experiences i've had let me put it that way in my work where there was a definite spiritual side to it um i did part of my training at a jail in orlando and i remember i was not back then i, I was backslidden so i left the church at 16 came back at 26 so i called those 10 years my happy heathen years so i was in my happy heathen years and i got called to this particular unit of the jail to meet with this an inmate who had requested mental health services and so i went and so this guy when he was there he was a, he was a um, middle-aged like 40 something black guy i was in my 20s and he started explaining to me how he was having these experiences. Now, he knew he wasn't mentally ill, but he didn't know who else to call in the jail. And somehow I was the one that was sent to him. Oh, boy. And so he was having these experiences where um, he was having these spiritual battles, particularly at night. And he explained to me that he used to be a witch. 
and he was heavily into black magic and he had he grew up in the church his grandmother raised him I don't remember what he said the situation was with his parents but for whatever reason his grandmother raised him um he was raised going to church and then he decided that Satan had more power than God and so he started praying to Satan and he went deep and he said that um he only stopped he said one night Satan manifested in his bedroom this is before he went to jail manifested in his bedroom and he said he knew he said when a big guy comes to you it's only one thing he's after he wants your soul you have to commit yourself to him but he had enough of a christian background to know that um he wasn't prepared to do that that was eternal he wasn't very willing to go to hell for that and so he had stopped he said he used people he's a come to him to put curses on people he used the incantations what is craziness um so he stopped but he was trying to come out of that lifestyle and satan wouldn't let him go so here i am my back's to himself right Give a spiritual advice. <laughs> and I'll say it to him. Well, of course, I think I let you go because he he knew what you were doing for him, which means he knows how you're going to come after him if you ever get your life together. So we used to have these wonderful conversations. He will ask to see me once a week and we have these wonderful conversations. And he was very spiritual. I'll still go back to the state. <laughs> and he reconnected with his godmother, grandmother, sorry, and all of that. But I say all of that to say there's always a uh, um, there's a, there are times when the, when the things people are experiencing. So had he called the psychiatrist, they would have given him medication. But because of his spiritual upbringing, he knew that he wasn't mentally ill. So he knew when, when the spirits were manifesting in his room, or his, in his cell, that he wasn't hallucinating. He knew what was going on. And so he called somebody who could assist, but he didn't want the wrong assistance. And God in his wisdom sent me. And I mean, well, I'm calling my mom and I'm saying, so listen, what should I say to him when he calls again? <laughs> she was probably on her face. <laughs> Here I'm at a poor sight. <laughs> but she called with me in prayer and, and God gave me wisdom to speak to him about the things that he was experiencing. There are some people who it has nothing to do with a demonic attack in, in these church sense. But because we live in a fallen world, illness and in all its manifestations exists. And so those, those persons need assistance and, and medical assistance um, is necessary in some of those situations. Lavina was saying a minute ago about how she normalizes the fact that she goes to a therapist and sometimes she takes medication. And I think that people have a lot of fear around mental illness. So they're like, I don't want to be cold crazy. I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. Um, and it's like, you, you might not be. Most people aren't. You know, and even the, the um, stats that you quoted in the beginning of the podcast, Sakara, and um, the numbers of people that are suffering from mental illness, we encounter people. I'm, I can guarantee you all, there are a bunch of people in your lives that have mental illness, you just don't know. Because they're well-maintained and they take, they take their medication when they need to. Um, some persons may be on medication for life. Others may be on medication um, occasionally as symptoms arise they get the counseling, they have, they take care of themselves physically, they do what they need to do to manage their symptoms and to make sure that, they, that they're okay and they're able to manage. I can guarantee you, every single one of you, no people who are mentally ill, you just don't know it. V or Sarita, do you guys have anything to add to it? Yeah, cosine? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but for real. Um, and I, I, I can speak from my personal experience, um, I think that what caused, okay, background, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD, right? So, but I think that what caused my complex PTSD was a spiritual attack. 
the complex PTSD was a result of, do you know what I mean? It, it wasn't that the devil was like, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and give Sarita complex PTSD. No, the devil was just like, I wanna break Sarita. And so what he used, the trauma that he used ended up causing my complex PTSD, right? So to me, it's like two separate things. There was an event that happened and that event was a spiritual attack. Me going and seeking help because I knew that it was not something that I could fight by myself. And it was some, and, and, and in all honesty, if I gave it a whole story, you know, God guided every single step as to who I went to, who my therapist was, who my therapist is now, things like that. Like when I say God just planned it all out and just guided that process, I, I can't even like begin to explain how God worked that out for me. So that's why I would say that the actual action or act or event, whatever you want to say that caused my trauma um, was, was, was the attack, not the diagnosis of complex PTSD and kind of working through that, um, if that makes sense. And sometimes the response is an attack as well. So if somebody comes to the past or even, even just a member of the church, and talks about their, their, their symptoms, you know, and they get the response, oh, you didn't pray enough, or you didn't fast enough, then those sorts of things start playing on your mind as well. And that's, that's the enemy too. Now, the person doesn't intend to be an agent of Satan, but at that particular point, they are, they are being, if we're going to be honest. And so I would encourage people, if somebody comes to you and they're talking about symptoms that they're having, and you don't know what to say, it's okay to say, I don't know what to say, but if you want to go to your doctor, I'll go with you. If you want to go talk to somebody who does have experience in this area, I'll go with you. Rather than giving people what you think is the best thing and you really don't have a clue. Sometimes you can do more harm than good. Absolutely. And, and tying it into church, I will say when I had my situation, I was in a prominent role of leadership <laughs> in the church. And it became very evident very early on that I would not be able to maintain that place of leadership while dealing with healing. That, that's what it is. It, it's healing and it's ongoing. Um, but praise God, I'm not where I used to be. But having those conversations about needing to step back from those public rules, public in quote unquote, you know, out front rules, and having those conversations as to needing to um, step back from that and why. And in all honesty, not everybody deserves your why because not everybody can handle your why. And so I had to be very prayerful about who I was telling my why to because I didn't want it to be used against me later, if I can say it that way, right? And so for me, that like that was a huge thing. And it was crazy because when I did step back, I had somebody say, oh, what, you're pregnant? And I was like, wait, excuse me? <laughs> like, as in, like, that's the only reason that you could possibly have to step back from a rule like this that you have is that you must have sinned. Like, it's like, no, not at all. <laughs> like, I'm just doing what I need to do and what's best for me, right? And that's after conversations with me and God. And that's what I always think is like, God has to guide all of it. Yeah. And when you have a relationship with God, he can guide it all, right? And God's not going to leave you. But 
at the same time, he's going to say, you know what? I gave Dr. Zeno all the necessary tools to assist you. So I'm going to put her in your path so that she can help walk with you through this. And that's what a therapist is. That's what a counselor is, is somebody to help walk with you through your process and help guide you through it. And like, why wouldn't you want that? And I like that you said, not everybody deserves your why. They can't handle it. There are things called boundaries and we have to have healthy and appropriate boundaries. And so the same way you wouldn't just tell any and everybody, you know what, I'm talking to cancer last week. You wouldn't have that conversation. There are some people that need to know details and there are others that need to know, I'm stepping off at this moment. And it's okay. You're not being secretive. You're not being... Um, you're not lacking faith, you're not being dishonest, deceitful, none of that. You're, you're maintaining appropriate boundaries because some people cannot handle the truth of other people's lives. And that's just a reality. And as Kara said, life and death is in the poverty time, right? Yeah. And in that moment, I could not have a single person speaking death over my life because I was fighting already during life. Yeah. Like, and so when you're in a fight for your life mm-hmm. and you know you're in a fight for your life, the only people that you can have who know what's going on are people who are going to pray for you to come out of that. And so I couldn't risk having somebody speak death over me because that would have been all I needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And so that's when like, if people are struggling with mental health, like we can't just run off at the mouth. Like we as Bermudians, you know, Bermudians like to just run off at the mouth just for any and everything. And it's like, oh, well, you know, so so has got da, 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 da. like, no. When when somebody's struggling with their mental health, you don't know how close they are to that tipping line, whether they're Christian or not. And so we have to be very careful, even as somebody who goes through therapy on a regular basis. When I interact with other people, when they come to me to say, hey, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, I can't be flippant about it. I have to take it seriously. I have to recognize that they're coming to me for a reason and that God has had them come to me and tell me stuff for a reason. And I may be the last lifeline. We have to be very mindful of that, even as Christians who are people who other people come to Mm -hmm. for guidance and um, direction and advice. And even as a counselor, I don't just sit down and tell people what I think. (laughs) I don't have a plan for your life, sorry. But God does. And so for me to guide somebody, I have to tap into his plan for your life. So before I get with the individual, I pray. In the beginning of this session, at the end of each session, I pray. Because it's not about what I have for you. It's about what God has for you. I think that all doctors should be doing that. Not just psychiatrists. Like I feel, and that's what I'm trying to learn now, is how to incorporate my faith into my practice um v do you have anything to add i agree with what dr zina and sarita said that it's not it's not a straight yes or no answer it, it would be in some cases yes in some cases no in some cases there's a intricate kind of web i believe pulling from sarita's example giving myself as an example i know for me it's just been years and years of different things that have happened to me and the way that I approached it that have led to just how I handle things that have gotten me to this point in a sense. I know that's vague, but like Dr. Zina said, not everybody needs to know your details. But 
that basically led to me believing things that the enemy has planted in my mind. And I can say that in regards to like anxiety and fur and things like that. So I believe part of my issue is a spiritual attack, especially because in my career, I am, I'm, I'm a minority in my career, which heightens my anxiety, which heightens my fur, which makes my challenge with my mental health feel even harder sometimes. So for me personally, I think it's two sides to this in that, yes, I, I may have some sort of chemical imbalance somewhere, but the attacks that I get from the enemy, and like, I think Sakara, you said it, I think he knows where my weaknesses are. Um, the attacks that I get from the enemy because of my chemical imbalances, it's like a perfect storm sometimes. Yeah. So... I, 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 I think that's my answer in that I think for me personally, yes, there are definitely situations where I'm like, yes, this is a spiritual attack, but then it, 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 it can switch into, okay, wait, nope, now I'm having a mental health issue because of that spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with everybody, everything that's been shared. Speaking from my experience, um, I, my anxiety has been something that I've been dealing with for years. From the time I was a little girl, I just didn't realize it. Like I had this thing where I used to bite my nails and shake my leg. And that's definitely a form of anxiety, according to my psychiatrist. Um, But um, at the time, I didn't realize that that was a thing. And then also my parents didn't really take much attention to it either. Um, so mine's is definitely probably like a chemical imbalance but then like Lavina was saying the enemy knows my weaknesses and knows that that is one of my weaknesses so I find like Lavina I find myself in times where my anxiety would be going through the roof and I just have all these thoughts coming from left right middle top down bottom and it's just like all, all these lies that the enemy is planting into my head and I have to remind myself of God's word and try to keep myself not because I'm not keeping myself grounded God's keeping me grounded but you know God's keeping me grounded but to keep myself in a space of um, clarity and understanding of what God has already promised to me and what he has said to me so my thing is that do you guys like Vina already answered the question but do you think that the enemy can use our mental health illnesses or disorders to try and play with our minds and try to attack us? Sarita was like, she's bursting into seam, so I let her go first. Yeah, but she's not saying nothing. No, no, it was like, well, the easy answer is yes, right? Like, that's the easy answer. Like, is the enemy going to attack us at our weak point? He's our enemy. Of course he will. Any enemy would, right? Um, That's like what it is. But and and I will say for those of you who can see me, the reason that I paused the way that I did was because it immediately took me back to something that my therapist said. And she said, had it not been for this event, you would have never been to a therapist. She's like, that's your personality. Had it not for this been for this one event, you would never have been to a therapist because I have a personality where I will push through every and anything, push it to the back of my mind and just keep talking treat everything as a fact that happened it is a fact it is a fact that it sucked but we're moving on yeah we moved and 
the event that happened, there was no, you, I, I couldn't will myself out of that if you had given me a million dollars. Like it just wasn't possible, right? And so for me, in looking at that, it's, it's like the enemy didn't really attack a weakness as far as my mind was concerned, right? He may have attacked me physically and all of that, but as far as like my mind and something that he, he used a physical act to break me. It wasn't something that he used that was in my mind to break me, if that makes sense. Um, and so we joke about it. Me and my therapist joke about it all the time about how I would have never met her, and you know, she would. I wouldn't be her favorite client if this event didn't happen. So I'm like, you know, how fortunate for you. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your question, Carrie, yes, I do think that the enemy will use anything that he can find as a way in to destroy our lives, to destroy our lives whether it's something we recognize as being a weakness or a weak point or not. Um, if, if he sees even a little crack, you know how like when people are buried and they, they say, oh, I just saw a little crack of light and that's what I went towards. Like the, the animal is like, if I see a little crack or something, that's what I'm attacked because that's all I can see, a little chink in your armor type thing. And so um, I don't think it necessarily, necessarily has to be something we recognize beforehand as something that was a weakness. If I can just um, jump in there and just, um, for some reason, while Sarita was talking, I just thought of Jesus in that being. I think that's why, I know for me, yes, the enemy tends to play with my mind a lot, but I know I have found that the more I pursue God and the deeper I get in um, seeking his face and I think the two can work together. Like I have a therapist, but I also pray and I seek Jesus and the two can work together. And I, I think sometimes there's a misconception that you have to have one and not the other or something like that. You can't have both. And I think for me, the two working together have gotten me to a place where Dr. Zena said earlier that I have managed it and I can manage it. And I, I now can pick up on those first cues that wait, something's not right. And wait, I need to call my therapist or wait, I think I need to go into prayer. So I'm, I'm learning. I nowhere near have arrived and probably will never arrive, but I am learning through my relationship with God and things that has shown me and also through my relationship with my therapist and things that he has taught me in how to manage both mental illness and life in general. So in regards to um, spiritual attacks from the enemy, I've got God and my relationship with God and regards to mental health, I've got my therapist and my relationship with my therapist, but the two work together to create a wholesome management or or attack to life in general and I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm sure your therapist and as well as God has given you physical strategies to do because we're, we're trying beings mind body and spirit right and so there's yes. the reason for our mental health and our spiritual life to be at odds with one another you know and so the, the same way again if you had a physical illness you wouldn't stop mm-hmm. you wouldn't not pray about it you would pray about right. it and you would exactly. ask other people who you trust to pray about yep. it, you know, pray for your healing. 
And, and so we do the same thing and you would do the necessary things to physically to help to support your healing. It's the same way with a, with a mental illness. You, you know, you go to see a therapist, you take medication if you need to, you do those things physically, you take care of yourself physically that way. And that helps your body to be able to, if, if not overcome, because remember, so sometimes not everybody's on medication for us, not everybody. Some people it's chronic. Some people, um, their mental illness is acute. It's, it's, it could be situational. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to struggle with it for throughout their lifetime mm-hmm. and, and everything in between. And, but you also, you know, on top of that, you cover all of that with prayer. Yeah, exactly. You create these false separations mm-hmm. that, yes. that only do, they only serve to make life more difficult for us. Exactly. You know? And so if, if we recognize that, yes, we're spiritual beings. Yes, we trust God. Everything we do in our life, we're going to bathe it in prayer. This will yes. be more different. To separate yes. the two is going to create problems for us because then we're trying to separate two parts of ourselves. How do we do that? We don't. Exactly. Know how to um, something else you said, support system and, and community as well in that. Like, like if, you, if you break your arm, you're going to see the burn doctor that Sakara said the word earlier that I can't remember, but you're going to... Orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. <laughs> Thank you. That. And the physiotherapist and a massage, like you're going to have a team of people, but the same goes for mental health. But in tune with that as well, when you're going through, you, you call your ace girls or whatever, you talk to people, but, but the same thing goes for mental health. I can't tell you how many times Sarita and I have cracked jokes about our therapy sessions where we're like, you know what? My therapist needs a bonus today because man, it was a hot mess, but you know, like, so yep as well as as you know normalizing it having that support system as well and just you know being able to say you know what today was a horrible therapy session I'm checking out today check on me tomorrow and literally having that person to be like the next day saying hey are you alive like are you okay like you know and even if you get that one word yes it's like okay well they gotta be alive because they answered but it's, it's just having that support system is important as well having a physical support system and yes we understand that we have god but having somebody on this earth who understands it who you can talk to who you can vent to who can come and give you a hug that's like big and like don't underestimate that that human connection um and as i said like when i say god has guided my path completely throughout this situation god has put people in my path who are those people people who i can call and say hey i'm having a bad day nothing else needs to be said all right what you need what do you what do you want you want me just sit on the phone with you you need to come over like i'm her what 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 aspect like where are you at because different things work at different times right and so it's not always going to be, I need you to sit on the phone with me. It may be actually, yeah, I need physical presence in, in my house. Or it may be, you know what? I need to get out of my house. I'm coming to your house, right? Or what, whatever. And, 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 as, and as I said, I have gone through those stages of needing different things at different times, depending on what's happened. Um, but being able to call on somebody who understands that and who's not gonna try, for me at least, who's not gonna try and poke and prod in that moment 
as to what's happening, why you're feeling this way, and you know, um, well, did you pray last night? Did you did you read your Bible? And da, 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 like, you know, the, the the hill nine yards is like I I just need presence right now. That that's what I need, and once my hijacked body can come down and return to a normal level. Okay, now we can talk about the other aspects of well, what happened, what triggered that, what caused you to feel that way, and then dig into it that way. But don't try and dig at me when I'm in this heightened state of, of alertness, right? Because I'm, I'm not going to be able to deal with it. And so I am very grateful for Sister Lavina because she's one of those people, right, for me. Um, who is somebody who I can just call and be like, yo, like, help. And is somebody who I know can and will pray with me, can and will pray for me. Because let's be honest, with some of the stuff that we're dealing with, we can't pray for ourselves at some points. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if we have to have honest conversations of what mental illness can and does look like sometimes. There are times I am not capable of praying for myself. Because there's times when I'm like, God, what on earth? And so, no, I like, it's like, I'm mad at you. No, I don't want to talk to you, especially in the beginning. Like, I am mad at you. You are not my favorite person right now. You didn't even make the top 10 in this moment. So, like, nah. And so that's when you need people who are able to, one, understand what you're going to, but more importantly, two, pray for you. And remind you of those promises Carol was talking about earlier. That God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that he said he's going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Right? And give you those reminders of what God has said to you. Because there are times when you go through and you're so deep that you can't call that out for yourself. And that doesn't mean you're any less of a Christian because of it. And that's important too, right? Because people think, oh, well, you know, I was made of God, so I can't, I can't be a Christian anymore. It's like, well, you may want to read the Bible. There's quite a few people who have expressed serious anger at God in the past, and they still had a very close and tight relationship with him. And that's it. A relationship is the full gamut of emotions, and you're allowed to feel them. And you're allowed to express them in a healthy relationship. Because I smile when you say you said to God, I'm made at you. I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> I had had those moments. <laughs> For me, the most difficult time was um, in 2016. My mom passed three days after my birthday. So Tuesday going was the fifth anniversary. And for six months after that, God would call me to pray. And I would say, I'm, I don't want to talk to you. He told my mom, I don't want to talk to you. And that's literally the conversation I would have with him. And, yeah. like, and just kind of sit there yeah. <laughs> until I would say something else. And, and eventually I would, you know, but God, I always tell people, God is not jacked up by our emotions. He's not. And I don't want to serve a God that gets all bent out of shape and all kilter because I express an emotion to him. I, I don't need a God that's, that's just as susceptible <laughs> to be unstable as I am. No, 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 no. I need somebody a little bit more stable than me if I'm going to be worshiping you and put my life in your hands. And so it's important to be honest, honest about where we're at, honest about our relationship, honest in our relationship with God, honest in our relationship with, our, with each other. Because sometimes people who are close to you, you, got your, you might have siblings or a spouse, or they may not be your support system in this. And it's okay. It's okay. And so if, if 
somebody who you're close to is going through something and you find out after the fact, get over yourself. It's not about you. Be grateful for the people that they did have that were able to support them through the crisis of it or through Rachel, the, Rachel. in the midst of it. <laughs> Be grateful that somebody was there. And it's okay that it wasn't you. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Don't make this about you. This person did what they needed to do. They found the help that they needed to find. God led them to who was going to support them. And it wasn't you. And it's okay. It's okay. I mean, that was a pretty good mic drop. I'm just saying. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was. I'm, I'm over here, like, clapping my hands and saying, and that's okay. And yes, that's okay. <laughs> Amen. That's okay. I wanted to go back to the Jesus and therapy thing that V was talking about um, and how it's important that we don't have those two separated and that we marry these two. So for me, that's why when I, also the whole thing about community as well, I've never experienced anyone talking about depression or anxiety, mental disorders. So the moment when I realized that, hey, you might be depressed, I did not want to accept it. I was like, no, I'm not, we're not, I'm not claiming this, I'm not doing this. It was in university. I had, it was a, a event that happened and it was very traumatic and I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't sleeping for days. And my friend who is in medical school and who was about to graduate was like, hey, so um, yeah, I think you should go to the doctor. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to the doctor because I know what they're going to tell me. They're going to tell me I'm depressed and I'm not trying to hear that. And I, it came with the whole thing of wanting to be strong also worried about what other people would say about me also I have this thing where it's like okay so for example I mime and a lot of people have come to me and said to me that they can see God's presence all over me and can see the powerfulness and see that I'm anointed so my thought my mindset was that if I come out saying that I'm depressed and have anxiety that whole anointing is gone that was the way that I was thinking. So that was the way that I was thinking. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to a doctor because once they diagnose me with depression, anxiety is over. Like I'm not anointed anymore. I'm not powerful. God can use me. And I had to come to this understanding that God can still use me. And even through my depression and anxiety, he's still using me. And that's when I had come to terms with like, you know, Sakara, you need help. It's okay. You, you're very powerful, you're very anointed, but in the same breath, you need help. And it's fine that you need help. So that's when I reached out to Lavina and typing those words, hey V, I need help was hard, okay? I need help. Those three words, the hardest words I've ever typed in my whole entire life. And at first I started typing in, I'm like, I don't need no help. And then I'm like, you do need help. And then after I sent it, tears crying, because I'm like, that's me coming to realization that you know it's it's okay that you're not okay and it's okay that you need help like it's okay and it was important to me that in my journey of getting help that I found a counselor therapist psychiatrist who also understood my um my life as a Christian I wanted to I that was very important to me where I would be able to go to my sessions and be able to talk about what's going on with me mentally physically and emotionally but also talk about the spiritual aspect of it because I feel like the spiritual aspect plays a huge role in my anxiety and depression first of all I want to say it's okay 
it's okay if you're struggling it's okay you're still anointed you're still powerful God can still use you it's okay and the only thing about it is is that even as I'm going to my therapist I'm learning a lot more about um, mental disorders and anxiety and all of that type of stuff and I feel like I was talking to my mom the other day and I feel almost as feel as if this was kind of God ordained because I wouldn't be learning this stuff that I'm learning if I wouldn't be in this position and because I'm going into medicine and I want to study neuroscience which is a part of the brain chemicals all this with mental health and it's it's I feel like it's just got lit it's just it's it's it, yeah my depression and anxiety is got lit imagine that so is and I we have a community like I never and the thing about it was is that when Lavina came to me and she was like, you know, I'm struggling and I go to a therapist and I was like, V, you're the strongest person I know. What do you mean you go to a therapist? This is crazy. What do you mean you need a weighted blanket? What do you mean you're starting to sew now and take up all these different activities to try to deal with your anxiety? Like, And her being that person for me was important because it helped me to come into realization and understanding that it's okay. Even with Sarita, because I didn't know that Sarita was going through what she was going through either and now that I know it's giving me more comfort because I know as a young person like it's other people that are out there that are like me and it's okay and me and God we got this we're gonna get through this you know, we tell ourselves so many lies like you you think God didn't know you were depressed until after the doctor diagnosed you and I'm not saying that to you, <laughs> but I, I I said it purposefully <laughs> like that <laughs> because it, you you realize it sounds ridiculous, right? And I want yeah. <laughs> you to listen to the podcast to realize how ridiculous some of the things are that we tell ourselves. God knew, God knew you were going to be depressed at at that time before you were born, and so waiting for the diagnosis doesn't lift the anointing. God's not fickle. He's not fickle. He's like, oh well, you messed up. So you messed up my plan. I'm gonna go to Plan B. No, Plan God's plan is God's plan, and all of this is part of God's plan. And even with you saying you feel like, um, you know, God's using this and he, and he willed this. Yeah, he willed this. And so it goes back to what I was saying with the lady um, who had cancer, who, who was at the conference, behind the conference. God trusted her with it. And so God has trusted you with it. And as you were speaking, I was like, you're going to be an amazing doctor. Because you will be able to, you are, will be touched with the feelings of your patient's infirmities. They're going to come to you and they're going to get a different response from you because you've walked this walk that another doctor who started it from a book isn't gonna have. That doctor may have empathy, but you're gonna have a level of compassion and a level of understanding that the people who walk into your office are gonna be blessed because they're sitting in front of you. Amen. I was um, a few years ago, I like 2004, more than a few years ago. I was, um, I was self-employed. So I had left government. I was working for myself, doing counseling with um, young people and their families. And right after my practice started picking up, all hell broke loose in my family. <laughs> and I remember one day I was like, what? Anyway, I felt like such a fraud. Like I'm the people coming to me for answers and I'm giving them answers and they're good. And you know, oh, this is great. You know, they're growing and the families are getting healed and my family's falling to pieces, okay? And I honestly felt like a fraud. And one morning I was home and I was getting ready for work. I was watching um, TBN and it was Paula White was one at the time. And she was talking about how she, at one point she was in youth ministry and all these children, hundreds of children getting saved under her ministry at her local church and also as she was getting out and preaching. 
and her insulin was on the street doing a pack. And she said she had similar reaction. Like, well, what are you doing? Like, how am I supposed to be helping all these people? And my own child is falling by the wayside. And God said to her, you can't heal what you don't feel. And when she said that, it dropped right in my spirit. And I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. So I share that with you, Sakara. You can't heal what you don't feel. And so you will have a level because of what you've experienced and what you've dealt with in your own life. Your ability to bring a level of healing to your patients is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal. And you're going to have other professionals coming to you to say, teach us. Teach us what you know. Teach us what you hear. And God's going to lead you in how to do it. We know that mental health is one of the most neglected areas in public health, period. Like, it's, it's neglected. Um, so how can we, as the body of Christ, help those within the church and outside of the church that are suffering with some type of mental illness since clearly it's not being done in public health? To the defense of public health, unfortunately for them, <laughs> budget cuts are a real thing. Yeah. And so, you know, a few years ago, the government was saying, do less, do more with less, sorry mental health, the public mental health system, or the public health care system, period, <laughs> has been functioning under that mantra for decades, literally. And so, yes, they are limited in what they can do. Uh, but there are other private practitioners. And so the same way churches help people with groceries, churches help people with their rent, with their food, with uniforms, why not? Have a, have a service where we're collecting a special offering and anybody who needs mental health services, we're gonna, um, we're gonna have this, part, this collection, this part to assist with those particular services. Um, myself as a trained social worker, I know how to beg. <laughs> and so there's, there, are, there are a few doctors who, I will pick up the phone and I will call there, but I'll be like, so I'm calling to appeal to your benevolent side. <laughs> and they're like, what you want now? <laughs> But I get services for people. As a counselor, I get the same phone calls. Hey, I need your help. I have somebody here who needs to be seen. They don't have the money. Send them. Even when I was in private practice, send them. Because I don't ever want, and, and most counselors are like this, Christian or not Christian. I don't ever want somebody to not get the help that they need because they don't have money or they don't have insurance. That's criminal. And so there are, there are counselors out there who even, even now, so there are certain counselors where I can call and say, look, this person needs help and I need your help to help them. And people are willing to either do a sliding scale if you're somebody who has some needs, but they can't afford the full rate, they'll take partial rate. Or you have some people who they'll see people for free. And so, and so network, find out who's in your community. Find out who's sitting in your church. There are so many people sitting in the church who are trained in different things. You find counselors and doctors and um, everybody in between who would who are willing to assist because they know that the need is there. And I think as well, um, one of the good things that came out of the COVID-19 pandemic is that mental health was pushed to the forefront of everything. Like we've never heard mental health talked about like we have in the last 18 months, mm -hmm. right? And that's fantastic because not only is it at the forefront of the world, but it's at the forefront of the church too. 
Yeah. You have church leaders who are now talking openly about mental health and mental health struggles and needing to do better and recognizing that they need to do better. And so I think the last 18 months in particular have allowed leadership in the church who have been paying attention mm -hmm. to see that mental health is a real thing that people in their congregations are struggling with and it's causing them to do their own okay let me look and see what it is out there how can I help how can I assist this person in my congregation and while we may not see it on I don't know an island-wide scale or something major I do feel as though you have your local pastors who are looking at their congregations and saying, I see this person is struggling or, you know, I see this person is now battling with depression because the news has told me what depression is, right? When we weren't talking about it before. Um, so I think that is actually something that's been a blessing coming out of COVID. If you can point, you know, if you start searching for things that that are good out of such a horrible global pandemic. I think that's one of the things that we can point to as being mental health and mental health issues and dealing with mental health issues has been put, pushed to the forefront. And it's no longer something that's to be talked about over in the corner or, you know, it's taboo or whatever. It's something that people are readily putting their hand up, as um, Lavina said, and saying, I'm struggling with this. Yes, I have a therapist. Yes, you know, I, I'm dealing with this. And so there are pastors who are kind of beginning to understand that and do their own research to see, well, how can I help my, my congregants? What, what is it that I can do to, to assist? Um, so I do think that, you know, as Dr. Zina said, where the healthcare service, the public healthcare services are stretched and things like that, you have the church looking to pick up the mantle because they understand that there is a mantle to be picked up. Mm -hmm. That stigma is falling away. Um, when you walk through it, when you look into it, when you research it, when you recognize there is a mantle to pick up, I think that the church and church leaders are doing that, um, especially if you have people, if they have people in their congregations putting up their hands saying, this is what I'm going through. And so part of the onus is on us, to be honest with our leadership. If, if we are to trust somebody, that should be somebody you should be able to turn to as part of your support system, in my opinion. I give the same answer to this question for so many different topics, but it's my answer. And, and my answer is to just love people where they are. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key. I think if you love people where they are and be open to learn and just open to receive what God's telling you about that person and see people's heart and don't see what the word, don't see whatever, because people have a way, and I say people and I myself do this, I myself have a way of putting up a front and convincing people that I am okay. I'm okay, I'm great, I'm wonderful. And sometimes if you love somebody enough, you can see through that facade. Mm -hmm. So I mm -hmm. think that's the biggest thing that we as the church can do is love people right where they are. And that's the number one thing. And everything else will flow out of that. So when you ask people, how are they? You really ask, 
because you want to really for real and and listen for the answer that's a good point though because it catches me out every so often people like how are you i'm like okay and then somebody would be like how are you really and i'm like well wait 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 wait." (laughs) and that's exactly what i said i wasn't ready Mm -hmm. i wasn't ready like you mean it for real like you really want to know hold on let me think about it for a minute (laughs) and and but it's true yes because there have been times people were like and i'll say well your mother's smiling but your eyes aren't and you know, pay attention to the to the incongruence between what somebody's eyes are telling you when the, the world says the eyes are the windows to the soul. It's no, it's no joke. Um, Kara, you said something earlier, and I I made a mental note to address it. Um, you were talking about your healing, and you're talking about like you were in university and dealing with something. And God laid on my heart to say, do not put a timeline on your healing, mm-hmm. just because people were healed in the bible instantly or you know jesus spoke and you were healed i'm four years into this journey and i can say that there were things that happened in the beginning that no longer happened so yes that part of it is healed but it's a continued healing process and i am very cognizant of it and so i want to say don't rush it allow god to work in it and through it and walk with you through it um and don't put a timeline on it. You can't say, oh, well, you know, in a year, I'm going to be over this and I'm going to be straight. And, you know, I'm not going to have none of these issues. I'm not going to be paying to see a therapist anymore. I'm not going to be getting medication. You don't know. Because even in this process, when I say I see God working, mm-hmm. I'm not lying. And so God has told me himself that he needs me to go through this process as Dr. Zena said, because somebody behind me needs me to go through this process because they need me to know what it is like to go through it so that I can help them through it. And to be honest, that word is part of what keeps me going through the process because there are times when I'm just like, nah, bro, I'm done. I don't do this no more. (laughs) Right? So we can't put a timeline on our healing. And that's something that God told me when somebody said to me, oh, you're still going to a therapist. I thought you were over that. Like literally that was said to me. And that's, and I was like, well, you know, cause I, I was the type of person of let me push through and let me, this happen, keep going type thing. And so it kind of sat with me for a second because I'm like, you're right. Like this has been a minute. It has been like 18 months. I should be over this by now. And God said, don't rush the healing process. And so I share that same thought today. Don't rush the healing process. Don't put a timeline on it because God's going to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. And we have to submit to that. Um, If we're going to allow him to use the situations that we're going through for his glory. Do we want to get over it or do we want to get through it? Mm-hmm. because a lot of times we, we would say i want to get over it and we really mean i want to jump over the log and then just be done but that's not how it works it is a process and so in order to the only way to get through it is to go through it however long that takes mm-hmm. there are some people who break their arm and they'll heal instantly other people break their arm and then other issues come to light and the healing process is longer and it doesn't mean that there's anything inherently wrong with the person who has a longer process who are we to judge the time yep. frame that it takes God to do what he wants to do in you? 
it's not for us to judge. It's not for us to judge. I totally co-sign all of that. Oh, and, and one thing that I found with my process is that I thought my pinky finger was broken. And when we started looking at the pinky finger, oh, my Lord, it was the whole hand. And then we was looking at the hand and, oh, wait, it's the whole arm. Oh, hold up. Wait a minute. By the way, your foot has got an issue too. And so um, I, I know when I first started therapy, I was like, all right, I'll do this for about a year or so. And then after a year, I was like, eh. I think I'll need this for a little longer. And then after about two years, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm going to just do this for life because it's always something. It's always something that I'm talking about. It's, it's something that happens with my job or something that happens with my children. Something, it's always something. If it's not my toe, it's my finger, it's my hair. It's something. It's just, it's okay. It's fine. I'm okay with that. It's, it's, you know, so it's, it's, it's a- breathe. <laughs> Stop it, and what you find <laughs> is that sometimes even if you even if you complete or oh, I want to say complete even if you you come to a point where you're saying you know what I'm ready to move on and and terminate my sessions something may happen in the future yeah, and you need to call your therapist and that's perfectly fine I still have people who I was them 10 years ago and they'll call me well we're ready to top off all right cool come and I will see them yeah. for two three sessions yeah. maybe four and then they're going again and I may not see them again for another couple of years but something will happen and they're like, I need some help getting over this home. All right, cool, home. Yeah, and it's okay. Yep. It's okay. Yes, it is okay. Yep. To that point, I still get frustrated with the process. And I have to remember for myself, not to, <laughs> like Sarita said, like, I think because we have this, like, okay, this is the girl and I want to meet this girl. If I feel like I've had a setback, I get frustrated. And I'm like, you know what? I don't tick that bar. I don't understand what happened. Why about that curve? Like, who erased, who erased the tick? Like, what? 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 Like, what? So it's a, it's, it's, you know, and just recently for me, I, I went through something. And I was like, are you serious? Really? But do you know that? Oh, and now it looks different. It put on a different costume. And oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, cool. But I was frustrated. <laughs> I, I was frustrated because I was like, I thought, like Dr. Zina said, I thought I went through and also on the other side. And I was like, all right, I was clapping my hands and congratulating myself, patting myself on the back. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we're doing that. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. Call the dad. Listen, this is what's happening. And he could he could hear the frustration in my voice. And he obviously had to talk me off the cliff, but it, it's just a you know be kind to yourself kind of process thing that I'm still working on for myself like legit the way you're describing you it <laughs> no okay <laughs> I don't like you I had to I took four months off of work I am a corporate lawyer for those of you who don't know I took four months off of my high demand high stress job to deal with this four months of therapy multiple times a week physiotherapy um psychiatrist like the whole support network that we was talking about earlier of like you know you got all these doctors that you gotta see in a week yeah that was me took four months to deal with it did intense therapy like left the room feeling exhausted all i want to do is go crawl into bed intense therapy so at the end of it i was like yeah i'm feeling good I'm ready let me tell you the first trigger that I had after that 
was probably one of the worst because of that feeling that, oh yeah, I, I dealt with all of them. I know what they all are. So I'm straight. And then her comes this boss that hits me. That's a new trigger that I've never experienced before. And here I am in the fetal position, bawling my eyes out because I thought that I had overcome this thing. And so when I say that, don't put a like limit on timing when you're healing, like I, I'm, I'm saying it because I've walked through it and I've been through it. And, you know, me trying to rush that process and be like, okay, well, I took four months off of work. I'm got to be good now. You know, like even a broken bone and it takes six weeks to heal. Like I'm, I'm all right. And so to get hit by that, that trigger, like that too. Ooh, me and Jesus had a talk after that. (laughs) (laughs) Because (laughs) you feel like you do all of this work and you've made all this progress and now to be hit by a trigger that you weren't aware that it was a trigger. And that's the thing. Like when you're, you're, you're hit by things that you're not even aware are triggers like there have been times I'm being hit by something and I immediately recognize it it's a trigger this is why whatever mm-hmm. and there's other times where I am racking my brain why is it that stirring at this light bulb has sent me into the fetal position please explain this to me legitimately a light bulb set me off once not joking <laughs> I didn't think you were but that's where having a team and having a therapist and, and persons who can help you and help you make sense of it all, that's that's where it comes in. Absolutely. Because if you were to call one of your parents or one of your friends, they'd be like, what, a light bulb? But because your therapist has been on this journey with you, that's where they can be of assistance. 100%. Um, me and God's got to have a conversation after this because I feel like he's been dropping little things with people here and there. And I'm just like, why are you telling these about my business? Please stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's, it's, too, it's happening too much. We're going to have to... I'm gonna have to talk to him about that. I don't, I don't like that. Um, but thank you for saying that, Serena. I needed to hear that. That's why he did that, because I needed to hear that. Because with my I feel like prior to the whole mental health thing with me, I had an issue with my back sciatica. And for the longest, I was frustrated with God because I'm like, I'm going to all these doctors, nothing's happening. Why am I not being healed? And I had to learn, like Sarita said, that is a process. And now that I'm healed from that, it's like, okay, so now you need to see a psychiatrist. And I'm just like, go, what are you doing? All these doctors from this doctor to the next doctor. I'm just like, seriously? So I'm learning that it it is a process and it sometimes can be a slow one. Um, But but we're, we're, we're moving, we're getting there. We're progressing for it. it it's slow, but it's slower. Because you don't want to speed through and have a surface level healing. Yeah, well, that's true. Then you have other things festering underneath and, and getting infected. And then when you have to open that room back up, that hurts. And then it has to be scraped and that hurts. And then the healing process has to start all over again. So it's okay. best to take your time and allow exactly. the healing to take place at the level where it needs to take place. It's like... um. I was writing in my journal. She'd be preaching up in here. Yeah, she is. Bill Sermon. Bill Sermon. Sometimes going 
I was thinking about this the other day and I wrote it down in my journal, going through um mental illnesses that are like not dealt with properly is almost like a cancer that's metastasizing and just growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, I know V, it was deep when I thought about it and I was like, wow, this is deep, Lord. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, it was deep. I was like, Lord, that's what you're doing? Okay, that's deep. But yeah, it's like, it's literally, and I and I feel like that's how it ties into our physical health as well. Like, just like a cancer metastasizes our mental health and disorders can metastasize as well. And then next thing you know, yeah, job, and you're in the middle of a meeting having a meltdown and you're confused <laughs> because you haven't been really dealing with your mental health the way that you need it to or in the timely manner that you need it to. Oh yeah, work and you think you're functioning in one in at one level and you're functioning at another. So you think you're up here, but you're down here, and everybody sees it except you. Exactly. And so you know it it's important to deal with deal with myself. And we all have stuff, even counselors have counselors. I always tell people if your counselor doesn't have a clinical supervisor, run. Run. If your counselor doesn't have somebody that they talk to on a regular basis, pick up your purse and run. Because that person's dangerous because their problems and their lives are coming into your session. Mm. It's very important for all of us. For all of us. So I just want to take out this time to thank our guests for coming onto the podcast today, Sarita Abin. Pleasure. And Dr. Zena Woolrich. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you for accepting the invitation. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast. For those who don't know, Kingdom Minds began as a way to reach you through conversation. Open, transparent conversation. After many months on Zoom, the team decided to broaden our reach by creating a podcast. So if you're looking for thought-provoking content, subscribe and stay tuned.